gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. So it appears Stephen Wilson has finally snapped. Uh, he's left me in charge of the show this week, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome, I'm David Campbell. Welcome to the season two review of Netflix Glow, the gorgeous ladies of wrestling. As always, this uh, podcast is sponsored uh, by Patio Town. Uh, <laughs> you can listen to our back catalogue on iTunes, Spotify, and every other wonderful podcasting site out there, uh, including our own heart show uh, from last week. And our interview with TK Cooper, which I also believe is online. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you also find us on all of the social media at ESSR. Hit us up on there. Uh, now it's time to meet our panel. We are the social outcasts of ESSR. This is most definitely the B team, but I'm happy that they're here today. The uh, That's a stretch. <laughs> my first panelist is a, he's a man of numbers. Uh, 42, the amount of eliminations Kane has in a Royal Rumble. 90, the amount of pay per view matches Kofi Kingston has had. 56, the amount of pay per view matches he thought Kofi Kingston had had. But oh, with all that said, there is only one. Scott McLeod, how are you? How's it going, Scott? How are you? Doing well, thank you. And I think, sorry, I think I find the B stands for best. The best team, exactly. <laughs> I like it. And you're, you've got your slur there. You're very comfortable. Yep. What, what flavour is it you're sporting today? Was it apple and apple orchard and white grape? Only the best for our panel. Like next, it's a panelist I'm very fond of. Indeed, everyone says nasty things. I'm amazed. Intros that like to be nice. She puts the wine in wine lover, and she puts the fun, laughter, and joy in all of our hearts. All right, she is the queen of the goatdom and Nikki Bella's number one fan slash stalker slash restraining order recipient. It's Stacey Smith. How are you? I'm very well. How are you, David? Do you know what? I would say I'm chicken cracking dandies. <laughs> I am absolutely buzzing to be on this show. I must say, I think that's the nicest and truest yeah. uh, intro I've ever got on this Listen, podcast. Listen, I'm looking at the end of your awards. The nicest intro I should be a shoe in for at this point. And introducing, possibly, in the history of ESSR, it'd be hard to find a panellist who knows less about wrestling than Andy Mitchell, but I think we've done it here. <laughs> she is a film and television studies student at Glasgow University, bringing her analytical mind to today to talk about glow. It's Camel Holland. How are you? Hello, I'm good, David. I'm excited to be here to give my input on wrestling with no background knowledge except from glow. Aye. Netflix only. That's not the original. Welcome to the party. I actually love that. I'm here to party with the slur. Yes, (laughs) and much better than Andy Mitchell, like I said again. And finally, (laughs) a man whose alcohol tolerance is that weak, he got steaming off a slur a couple of weeks ago. (laughs) (laughs) He seems to have a strange obsession with spit roasting goats, which has led me to seek legal action to assure my protection. He is the producer slash seducer with a cable package so big it includes KDTV. (laughs) It's (laughs) Quacky (laughs) Aji. Welcome to the show, Quacker. How are you? <laughs> well, Quacker's broken. I'm, I'm fine. Although I'm blaming you on that slur. Yeah. So much so that I decided to bring my own slur in today because I don't trust any slur you brought. I've done pub crawls. I can handle my alcohol, but somehow I've got drunk on your slur that you're provided. Listen, disclaimer, it was indeed laced with LSD. Welcome to the show. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> now listen, we're here to talk about Woe, the Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling. Uh, Netflix produced show. Uh, came out a couple of years ago. We've already reviewed season one, but I just wanted to leave us off before we left off with that show. Scott, 
season one ended, we had the pilot shot and Welfare Queen uh, was the champion at the end yeah. of that season. My lady. Yeah, where were you expecting it to go? So that was a good ending. Did you expect it to come back for season two? And did season two sort of meet your expectations where you expected it to go? Uh, I loved season two when it first came out, but I think uh, I loved it more the first time I watched season two. I think, I think the first time I binge watched the episodes in closer yeah. order because I was anticipating and waiting for it to come out. But I did get what I was hoping for in that they focus a lot more on the wrestling, they showed them they're shooting a full series now in this series and we get to see the more of them in the ring and there's the story that Sam said that he had in mind when he had Welfare Queen win, like the story is in the chase. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. And Stacey, 10 Emmy nominations for season one, um, along with a lot of other award, awards. It's, we've talked about this in the past. It's uh, unusual to see a wrestling based show receive this sort of mainstream love and critical response. Like, what's your attitude been to go? Is it a higher level uh, than any other wrestling based show or content we've seen before? Oh, definitely. Mm-hmm. And it's just the characters in it as well. It's just. Well deserved those it's, ten awards. Yeah, and it's well worth uh, the price of a Netflix subscription at long last yes, for you. Yeah, long last. <laughs> I love it. Well, that's the, <laughs> that's the thing, cat, isn't it? With Netflix, obviously a massive company and billions of dollars in debt, but they keep spending money. Uh, and I remember when season two was coming out, it was a massive advertising push, wasn't it? Like we've seen it in billboards and stuff like that. Were you excited about season two? Did you watch season one just before season two came I out? I did. Or? I watched season one just before season two came out, so I was. I was hyped up for it because of all the advertising and because of when I finished season one and I mean it brought it to me it brought it to the masses the people that aren't necessarily wrestling fans um, especially with the kind of cast I'm a big fan of Alison Brie that was one of the reasons I watched it as well as you tell me to watch it which I'm glad you did so I think that yeah that's that kind of explains you know all the the nominations and the awards and the the bigger audience and why they keep investing in it despite possibly losing money on other Netflix shows that they're making just now. Well that's the thing with uh, Netflix Quacko, they've got they need this original content obviously they're struggling a wee bit right now they've got a lot of competition emerging. Glow it's not it's done quite well in the numbers like they said the first episode Variety reported got 1.5 million viewers in the first three days now that's it's not a bad number but it's also uh, 14 million less than what Stranger Things got in the next few days so where would you put Glow in terms of rating it among Netflix other original series is would you put it quite high up there or do you think it's sort of a middling sort of cult uh, following this is a fight because like I love my Netflix well I say my Netflix but we'll move on from that <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know they were a lot of debt so that was a bit of a revelation there yeah, for me yes like so. because they spend so much money they are something like two billion dollars in debt yeah. wow yeah it's interesting that because literally Glow is the only original show I watch on Netflix wow I um I've well I've tried to pull my way through nine nine at the moment because everyone's <laughs> been talking about it. Yeah. I got to season two. I watch a bit of still game because I love still game. Yeah. So I'm watching it's been, basically I've been using my Netflix to catch up on things. So really for me, just Glow has just been the really original show that I've watched and I'm hoping I can speak to you after the show to tell me what other things I should watch. I'll give you all the recommendations yeah. you need. Like, but that's that's the thing about 
I think with Go we've seen is really representative of what Netflix has tried to do in the last few years is legitimise themselves because we've had the debates with Netflix um, with regards to the Oscars and even the Emmys earlier than that. Should it be considered television in the traditional sense? Should it be considered a film in the traditional sense? But I think with the high quality of shows they've got on there such as Go, they've really shown that they are a company who will make outstanding content. Mm -hmm. And also the thing is, Kat, with their behind the scenes stuff, they committed in season two to giving more female filmmakers a chance as well, didn't they? Yeah, I know that um, Glow was made by some of the creators of Orange is the New Black, which I think is interesting that Netflix have this um, push for female-fronted and almost all-female cast shows. Um, and I think that that's good that we were finally kind of getting a platform as women filmmakers and, and writers and actresses to have more main roles and to drive the story forward uh, rather than relying on the male characters to do that. Stacey, do you see that as important and do you think it's something that Netflix has done well in introducing these female-driven stories? I do think so and I think it's something that other companies will start to look at and think maybe this is a way to move forward as well. No, definitely, definitely. Well, Scott, oh, Clacky. Yeah, well, it's definitely, I mean, when you look at what's happening in the filmmaking industry right now in Hollywood, mm-hmm. you look at the diversity of Oscars, and it's not just one section of group that is underrepresented, you need to look across a whole spectrum. Mm-hmm. So it's quite bold, and, and it's weird that you have to say it's bold in the 21st century, that's bold, yeah. but yeah. That, that's the thing, that's what we're living in at the moment. Totally, and to move on from this, like, big Scott, we see it, like, it reflects itself in the show, like, where women are in the 1980s when this yeah. show is being made compared to where they are now like there has been a yeah. progression we just need to see it more yeah you know? and like we say about the people behind it being involved in Orange of that you really see that because it has a similar dynamic it's a mainly female ensemble cast all these different characters you have your main people you've got a lot of great supporting characters and with Orange of like I believe it's in its final season and hopefully they keep pushing we go and they can have a few more seasons that's going to get almost take the place of that because Orange is New Black was one of the first original shows they really pushed at the start of Netflix. Definitely Orange is New Black like we're saying like probably did start that trend and I think Mm -hmm. we're going to move on now to talk about because I think you're right like what makes this show so successful for me and why I keep watching it is the vast array of characters, not just our main characters who we'll focus on in this first part, but also the supporting characters that sort of colour the world around them. I first want to start with who is undoubtedly uh, the main character of the show, and that is Ruth, uh, played by Alison Brie. Uh, her wrestling persona is Zoya the <laughs> Destroyer, however, she also plays our twin Olga, who's a real big fan of her. I'm a big fan of Olga. Yeah, she's <laughs> is Olga, not Zoya. America. I, what do you think? I'm made of ruble. I'm a travel by gold. You know? <laughs> I'm sorry for the bad Russian accents in advance that will happen on this show. Um, Scott, we'll come back to you. Obviously, Ruth coming out of season one. Yeah. She did realise that dream. She did have an arc of like being a part of something important for the first time. And we see that with the first episode in season two. She goes off uh, and she wants to help Sam as much yeah. as possible. And she makes that intro sequence. Yeah. That shows where she is as a character and who she is as a character. But what did you make of the way she was treated in that first episode by Sam? He's obviously not happy with her for doing that. Yeah, he's clearly like, uh, like he's trying to keep them all at arm's length. That's his show. He's the director, but she's. I think she's. We see in the first episode, the first season, she's always just a bit parts. Like she had, like she was reading this long script done, so she was maybe read like one line. So she's wanting to be involved, and like she said, like this is the one thing that was mine. The other one thing I had, I didn't have a career much like Debbie did. She was a big star, and she wants to be involved. So she decides to take it on herself and show that she is 
valuable so she takes everybody and the camera guy and they go to the team so she wants to show that she can be creative and a big part of this and Sam also takes out on her and other people. Yeah, definitely. And also, wait, we talk about that. <coughs> this was mine, not yours, Stacey. We mm -hmm. see at the end of that first episode, Ruth gets shut out, shut out of the room that she's worked so hard to get in yeah. uh, by Debbie. The symbolism of her closing the door in her face, and you just can feel her heart aching. Did you feel really sorry for Ruth in that moment? I did. I did. I, I think it's just how much she'd put into it and everything, and then just feels though she's just getting it thrown back in her face, kind of thing. And because there was a big power dynamic between. Debbie and Ruth as well. Um, so it kind of felt as though Debbie was trying to get one up on her as well. So you did feel sorry for, I did feel sorry for Ruth. Totally, um, but I think it was a wise decision because mm. Ruth had sort of risen uh, from the depths of getting discovered to have that affair with Mark in season one to a high point at the end of that season to tear her back down a wee bit. And yeah. Kat, that's really her journey in this season, isn't it? To try and get back to the place where she was and trying to make this show succeed despite everyone seeming to be against her and try to push her down. As well as that, there's a focus on her friendship with Debbie. She obviously tries really hard to make it up to her and he, despite Debbie shutting her out and all the things that she does to her throughout the season, she still is trying to be her friend again and make up um, for what she's done. I think that she is pushed down, she's kept down um, as a kind of wannabe actress rather than just an actress. Um, she's been in Hollywood for a long time and not really got much to do but um, I think that it's interesting. Yeah definitely mm -hmm. and like, we talk about that as well Kwaku mm -hmm. um, with Ruth the third episode we see the PSA uh, about uh, teen pregnancy <laughs> <laughs> that the go uh, guys do and we see the, the friction between Debbie and Ruth play out in a really interesting way there because at first you're not sure Debbie asks her to stay behind and help with the PSA is it like is this a show of respect is the this Debbie accepting the bridges being mended but then we get the last line of that episode yeah. where uh, sorry uh, you missed your date with Russell like that just sort of sums up the way their relationship is I know it's, it's just weird and the weird thing about it is like I've done a previous radio show before where we talked about cheating and we were talking about why do people cheat in all the pubs and we're we, we were reading all the articles basically saying this bad doing that and then I found myself feeling sorry for Ruth and it's because she was like basically sacrificing her own happiness because she didn't want to flaunt her happiness in front of Debbie as well. And when this thing that came to the head, and it was when she finally revealed Debbie finally revealed to Ruth that she was getting a divorce and it crushed her. Yeah. And it's one of those ones that that's what I love about this show is because Ruth is our hero and Debbie essentially is like our who's meant to be the antagonist of the show they've sort of reversed those roles but they're both really really extremely rich and complex characters and yeah. but I think one of the best things with that is Ruth knows after that third episode Scott that yeah. Debbie is having it out for her Debbie is still not forgiving her but yeah. after the match with uh, Debbie and Welfare Queen goes <laughs> awry um, yeah. Ruth is the one to save the day again like she's yeah. the brightest spark in the room yeah. uh, that kidnapping angle will work with me surely <laughs> Yeah, it just goes to show that she's always thinking about the show first. It's not just about her, it's about the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And the thing with Debbie is, everybody says a lot of negative things about her, but like, I'm going into season two the first time, I thought, like, let's just give Debbie the benefit of the doubt. Like, I know she's been through a lot, and then the third episode, I'm like, no, just, no, you're a horrible person. Definitely. And that's like the, definitely, Ruth's art for the first four episodes is still seeking that redemption, seeking that redemption mm -hmm. for Sam, for what 
like he might feel is uh, sort of trying to undermine or seeking the redemption from Debbie still. But then things take a turn uh, in episode five, Stacey, and there's like no easy way to talk about a topic like this. Uh, Ruth goes to have a conversation with Tom Grant at the head of the network where she yes. goes to a meeting. It turns out it's in the hotel room. Glenn's there, someone she trusts. Um, however, it quickly becomes clear that Glenn has helped us um, set up this whole thing and she's sexually assaulted uh, by Tom Grant in the hotel room. Yep. It takes an extremely dark turn and she tells Debbie about it and Debbie yep. uh, responds that she's an idiot and she should have handled the situation better and immediately blames her. What did you make of the way this scene was firstly filmed and portrayed in that particular moment and then the aftermath of it as well? Um, in one way, I thought it was filmed in quite a hard-hitting way, you know, that way of just like, to we that people thought back then like about how you got forward but even now people might still think that as well so it's it's a bit worrying to see how things might not have changed yeah. since the 80s definitely um but i think just the contrast between how debbie reacted to it to how sam reacted to it was like night and day it's very like, it's very interesting mm -hmm. I mean, it's a topic that's so relevant these days, yeah. especially with the hashtag MeToo movement. And like, there's two sides of this that I've looked at it. Gotta go back to episode one with the new reveal of the new jump chain. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they all asked her, Who did you sleep with to get this role? Yeah. And that's a, a, the other big element of this is that people are quite quick to use the phrase slut shame. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. But then, they expect you to, then now women are putting on pressure on women to basically have to have sex to get something and that's just wrong. Yeah. Yeah. So it's something that's really relevant and it's just highlighting that. So Yeah. And Kat, what do you make of it? Because obviously it's like what Stacey was alluding to there, like we've got to remember the goal is set in the 1980s, but it's like what you brought up, Quacky, with the Me Too movement and stuff like this. We see that uh, these sort of uh, misuses of power uh, in the entertainment industry that have been prevalent for so long. For Go to tackle it uh, head on like this, I feel, is an important step, though. I think um, I really I liked the way that they filmed it, the way that they tackled it. Uh, you know, the start of the scene was like full of hope and um, excited for a business meeting with someone, and, and you can see her face change as she realises what this really is. You know, she's mm -hmm. in the hotel room rather than the restaurant, but, you know, uh, Glenn's there, so she's not, she's still okay. But once he leaves, you know, she gets progressively more comfortable and, you know, doesn't want to confront him and tries to do what she feels is the best option, which is to run away, uh, which I think that most people would have done in that situation. Except, yeah, back then, especially, women had to sleep with people to get to a top position. And uh, we know that with all the things that have like, come out about, you know, the Hollywoods. Yeah. So I think that I'm glad that they, they did bring that up set in the in the 80s um, so we can see how kind of just obvious it was. And we, ta we tackle yeah. something like it with Bash as well. We'll get to Bash as a character later in the second half, but he is guilty of it at one point. He's like pushing the wrestlers, like, you need to do harder and 
like better moves and faster moves, which reminded me um, of Tarantino um, on the set of Kill Bill, uh, pushing it by Furman to drive the car, which left her for, with back injuries to this day that she's never recovered from. So even a character like uh -huh. Bash, who comes across as like well-meaning and stuff like that, and he apologises for it, pays the medical bill. That is how those misuses of power, even small ones, can come to have those yeah. major consequences. And I think Glow really does well with these themes and tackles these issues really well head on. Ruth, um, after this ordeal, Kwaku, she does make up um, in a way with the two people she's been butting heads with. She goes to see uh, Sam's uh, beautiful rom-com, uh, Gina the Machina. Um, <laughs> which I don't know the plot. Like one, the mind boggles um, at what Gina's true nature is. Um, mm -hmm. I, I, I have always thought that she's some sort of cannibalistic um, predator herself, but we'll have to see. I've not seen, not seen the movie, not Maybe had a chance to get Maybe she is the meat grinder. Maybe she is the meat grinder. It's always Yeah. Um, makes up with Sam in the car and he admits he's just an insecure old man and they do have that tender moment yeah. uh, and then she makes wakes up with Debbie as well um, but not uh, not before Debbie breaks her ankle oh, on a, a coke which I'm still raging about a cocaine binge and, uh, yeah, I, I am still raging about that but what? yeah like that whole waking up bit and also the the thing that I did like is that Sam kind of said he didn't try on with you and stuff he's like oh that guy's a uh, I've forgotten what insult he talked called Tom Grant. Ah, uh, he's a sleazeball. I think it. it was. Yeah, he's a sleazeball. That's what he said. Yeah. I know. It's quite funny that it's Sam that comes to her rescue yeah. that from. Yeah. yeah. And the, the best bit about that is when he his response to it, he goes to the guy's uh, parking spot, <laughs> smashes it up, and then Glenn just looks at him and goes, you know, he annoys a lot of people. Could have been anyone. <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing, by ep the end of episode 7, Scott, we see how respected Ruth is. Because yeah. despite yeah. the fact that Ruth came in known as uh, the homewrecker, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? That was her original gimmick back at the start of season 1. Mm -hmm. We see how the girls treat her in the hospital. They're all there to visit her. They all don't want to leave. Russell's there, Sam's there, Bash is there. All the girls are there, and that's a really nice moment to see just how loved Ruth is for the effort and the dedication and yeah. enthusiasm that she has. Yeah, because it was a show like the whole ensemble cast that over the time, um, them putting the swagger, they've all become friends, like they didn't know each other. Like a lot of them, like early season one, they were always button heads, and they still occasionally do in season two, but they're all there when one of them needs them. Yeah, definitely. It's like a family mm -hmm, uh, sort of definitely. dynamic that all of them had, and I like that uh, that we got to see those small moments. My favourite one is that everyone's trying to do like something entertaining uh, with Ruth in that hospital room, and it's Melrose is just doing one of those quizzes <laughs> from the magazine, <laughs> and like no one's getting a word out of her. Heart. It's just like you know that's the reason. It's brilliant. I love that. <laughs> then we get into episode nine. All right. Now this is where I think that we see Ruth's arc. For the next season come up because I think we're going to see a love triangle now with mm -hmm. Ruth, Russell and Sam because Sam's wife shows up, Ruth's in the middle of it and they end up attending through a sequence of events the school disco. Yeah. And Sammy, he tries to wee kiss. Stacey, I'm going to ask you right now, much back with the Twilight series in the early 2010s, <laughs> are you team Russell or are you team Sam Sylvia? Where are you going with this? Hmm. I think I'm going to go team Sam. Yeah, I think so. It's like the battle of the Tashes. <laughs> <laughs> you you could see you could see his his attraction to her growing throughout the throughout the season, yeah. and I I think they'd be a nice match. Let's take a vote. Who's all Team Sam? Oh, definitely Team Sam. Me. You Quacker. I'm Team Russell. Hi, okay. I'm undecided. Oh, I could give you countless reasons why you should be. Sam. <laughs> I mean, one mean thing. 
Justine likes her, so she'll listen to her. That's also so, true, the stepmother. I would yeah. argue that it seems to be a, not a forced relationship, but just a man and a woman that spend a lot of time together, they work together, he respects her, she respects him, and he's finally like, is this what it's like to be with someone you respect? It would be a bit cliched storyteller-wise, but I get what you mean. Yeah, it would just be like, oh, okay, they can, men and women can't hang out, they have to date, that's it. That's fair. <laughs> Set that's the show. Fair. Oh, I didn't think about that. Man. I mean, Russell Steen's fine with his Borat tash and all that, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Sam is brash as he can be and not always likeable, he, yeah. I mean, he expresses himself. He can, he's grown to respect Ruthie's clearly still cares about her. Mm-hmm. I mean, and he's clearly got a bit better dash. I mean, Silver Fox and everything. That <laughs> like that. I think we should set Scott up with Sam. <laughs> <laughs> There's the next article for ESSR's uh, website, Stephen. Is, uh, Scott has 10 reasons why <laughs> Ruth and Sam should end up together. Uh, we're going to end Ruth's arc here with you, Kat. Ends up co director of the show go and ends up getting the crown before taking the show. The show is a success and it's going to Vegas. Was this just the best ending for Ruth when Starship's seminal classic Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now plays in the background? It's the best ending of a TV show ever, people. I was inspired for weeks. I don't think I stopped listening to I had to check into rehab. Like just to stop myself in the middle of a conversation, just bursting out. Then they say you were crazy. <laughs> I put nothing in that slurp. <laughs> so what do you think? Kat? Good ending for Ruth in this I season. I think she saves the day, and that's kind of what she wanted to do. She wanted. Um, she wasn't like power hungry. She just wanted something that she could call her own and to be part of something. And she is. Um, I'm not sure how I feel about the show going to Vegas because I don't really know what that means for the show. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I suppose it's better than being aired at 2am, yeah. but um, I think just her on the, on the zip wire, just coming into the ring, it was spectacular, really. <laughs> it was something. I um, genuinely think that WWE should take some uh, something <laughs> Some inspiration, that. yeah. <laughs> um, so, we're going to move on from Ruth. Great character, really, really nice character. But we're going to talk about someone a bit more controversial, Kwaku. Yeah. Last time, you were the only panellist here. The last time we talked about Glow with me, I wasn't a fan of Debbie. I yes. laid it into her uh, a bit hard, you know, talked about how much she annoyed me. However, season two, <laughs> she's shown to be more of a complex character, hasn't she? A wee bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, she, she shows herself to be more of her the Welsh say 100, look it up on Wikipedia. <laughs> 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 so yes, she basically yeah, actually do Google that is quite funny. Or ask your Alexa or whatever AI thing, bad thing. I'm definitely not drunk on the shore. <laughs> yeah, she just annoys me because the thing about it is that it, it just it's just going back to the whole roof thing. Mm-hmm. The whole thing is she just seems like she doesn't want anyone to be happy. Right. And I'm going to talk about that while I've laid out this segment. It's called The Good, The Bad and The Ugly um, of Liberty Bell right now. <laughs> well, we're going to start with the good here. She's a woman uh, in the 1980s who's finally realised her own worth and she doesn't want to settle for any less. She gets her contract renegotiated at the start. She becomes a producer for the season. She wants to try and get it with the men. She wants to try and do her best. And she has that dinner with Welfare Queen mm-hmm. uh, where uh, Welfare Queen tells her she has to make herself necessary and work hard throughout the season to end up on top but she needs mm-hmm. to work the idea she needs to work 10 times harder than the men yeah. to get yeah. the same respect and we see in the final episode she solves the problem with Carmen's brother in the finale so she's like becoming that boss and not having to ask permission do you yeah. think that is like the best part of Debbie's character? 
Yeah, definitely, because she did a whole arc in the first season where it's kind of like she was only really here because she wasn't really at work, but Sam offered her the position, like, you can be, like, the main figure of this show, and she gets herself to a position where, work for women at that time, is very impressive the amount of power she has. She's a producer, she's the main focus of the show, she was the champion, or she wore the crown, or however you want to put it. And I think it's just the way she goes about herself and, and that talks to other people, especially Ruth, is what puts the audience off her. Definitely, that's the more of the bad dinner, but I open this up to the entire panel. Like, did we like that part of Debbie's story arc in this season? How she was, this woman took power for herself in this environment and wasn't going to apologise to anyone for what she was worth. I like that. I think it was just, she felt as though her world well, what I got from her world was kind of like falling down around her. So she was putting all of her energy into her work and trying to make herself be the best that she could be in her work. Yeah. So I, I like that. It's, it's interesting because I got the bad here as well. Kat, she uses her power to keep people down and she keeps Ruth out of the room. That iconic shot we discussed earlier where she closes that door. Uh, despite standing up for her with Sam and Bash, at one point she bullies her. At other points she's selfish. We also know she's going through a divorce from Mark in this season and that clearly leads to the breakdown she has, uh, the funny scene where she sells every item in her house <laughs> <laughs> uh, for five dollars. And forgets uh, to pick up her kids. Uh, yes, forgets to pick up her kids. Uh, Do you know my favourite line in that? Yeah. Did anybody die this like Just my marriage. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and she obviously sees Mark with his new girlfriend uh, which leads her to going on a cocaine binge and breaking mm. Ruth's ankle. That was so sad. They have that big argument as well where she finally unloads on Ruth and she's like, you broke up my marriage. How dare you say anything about me? Like, what did you make of like those elements of Debbie's personality? in this season. I think that when you look at her um, really past all the kind of things that she does, she does them because she is a mother and she wants to be famous, I guess. She wants um, power that she's never had before. She couldn't control her marriage, but she can control Glow. So that's what she's trying to do. So when she eventually does get that power, she can use it against the person who maybe broke up her marriage in the first place and she's going through a lot I think is the main takeaway she doesn't really know what to do with herself I think she really relies on Liberty Bell as a character and um, when she's Liberty Bell she isn't Debbie and she can um, she can be this hero this American hero who saves the day and and whatever um, as well as getting attention and being famous and that's just that's her safe space I have to say Liberty Bell we discussed it last time on the show but Liberty Bell is such an amazing character I love her do you know you remember the moment this season I think it's when she's fighting it's, uh, I can't remember who it's against but she gets them in a cru- crucifix yeah. and she just screams Machu Picchu it, maybe. It, yeah, it might be and she screams the power of Christ compels you <laughs> <laughs> it's incredible like, I've had to pause that again because I forgot <laughs> how funny it was it was hilarious I loved it we touched on this earlier we had the ugly response to Ruth's sexual assault now I don't know how harshly to judge the character of Debbie in this moment because we talked about how it was part of the times that would have been the attitude of many actresses. There's a Saturday yeah. Night Live sketch where it's three actresses getting interviewed about it, and it's uh, what's oh, who's the Saturday Night Live? Like Kate McKinnon uh, plays like a really older actress, and she's like sort of taking this viewpoint but making fun of it. You know what I mean? So it's something that did like happen at this time. But what did you guys make to Debbie's response in that? How did it make you feel in that moment? Because me physically, when she said that, like I felt like my insides started to curl a wee bit. I was like, no, like I can't deal with that. 
think it's kind of a case of like she has the most acting experience kind of out of the whole like group and you know, that she was famous for a while before she had her, her kid. I think it's a case of she's looking at a pace of she's been in the industry longer so from her perspective this is she kind of convinced herself that this is how it yeah. worked but Ruth is seen the events that most of us as the audience look at it like are more, are more on times like it, no it shouldn't be how it is but that's unfortunately in certain cases how it was and that's how Debbie sees it. Yeah. I like to think that um, Debbie kind of she thinks she knows everything about show business but I think she's jealous of Ruth in this point because she feels like the same way we've all felt if we were in that situation we would have done this or that she thinks if she was in that situation she would have saved the show she would have done whatever to Tom and she would have saved been the hero and saved the day and in reality there's just as much chance she would have run away Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and though I moved past that, like obviously Debbie, a really great character, um, and it led uh, to Betty Gilpin uh, getting nominated for the Emmy for Best Supporting Actor uh, last year. She lost out, I can't remember who she lost out to, but as much as the Debbie character leaves me sort of divided, Betty Gilpin's performance, mm-hmm. like most of the, yeah. uh, the actresses on this show, is absolutely sensational. But I do want to move on to... One of the main characters who's he's not a woman, he's, he's like really the only ma- lead man in this show. Um, Sam Sylvia, played by Mark Madden. Crack out the first episode, we see Sam and he's he's insecure, nervous, but you get that. Like, how do you feel about Sam in the first episode? Because he has pressure from the network. KDTV doesn't, clearly doesn't trust him. He's having a crisis as an artist. He used to make such auteur filmmaking, such as Gina the Machina. Um, <laughs> and he's sort of insecure about where he is. Do you understand his reaction to Ruth going away and t- uh, taking sort of micro-hosting under him? Um, <laughs> and then firing Vicky the Viking know, as well. I know, on this, on this podcast, we've talked about micro hosting in the past this is more micro directing (laughs) (laughs) so I mean the thing is though you can understand like I'm not in the film industry that's your expertise but I can understand if there's somebody that kind of undermines you Mm -hmm. but at the same time your reaction to it should not be equally as or even worse than what the actual action was yeah. and I do feel he did go overboard with it totally like I can only imagine like I don't know it's one of those ones where I'm sort of in two minds about Sam here because I get that he needs to stamp his authority on this set and have that singular vision as he sees it but also at the same time he has given Ruth a directive to go off and do whatever she wanted really you know what I mean so I think it's more just the case of like he says in the end he's an insecure old man like he sort of admits to um, and they eventually hire Vicky the Viking back yeah. so like you know everything was alright in the end he's, he's very much the instant man to give a wrestling term he is the creator and he needs to be seen as being in control and that's why when everybody was kind of on his side he had to show his authority and unfortunately it caused Vicky the Viking experience search up. <laughs> do you think Vince does this to Triple H? Do you think this is why he punishes the NXT guys who come up like this? It's like <laughs> the same sort of technique. I mean if you try and work out Vince you'll be here all year. <laughs> all year. <laughs> the animosity roof continues into the film festival with uh, of course our favourite uh, film Gina Machina uh, who says <laughs> an insecure old man he's kinder to Roof uh, at that point um, he smashed the window um, yeah. all when he finds out about the assault and he becomes a better director and a better person um, yeah. do you think that will continue with Sam going into season 3 the last thing that I'd want is to see him regress from and have the same story play out again but you can maybe see it with him going to Vegas yeah it really depends how his relationship with Ruth develops because you can tell he cares about her but 
how is this going to affect the rest of them working in Vegas and Russell's not there is he going to tell her that he feels a certain way about it and I feel if Ruth doesn't feel the same way about him he might start to regress back to where he was before Hmm. And Stacey, what is a father without a child? Just a person. <laughs> All right. And we can see that. What a line. His relationship <laughs> with Justine in this season. He's trying to form a bond. Um, and he grows as from a sort of father who's like, yeah, do whatever you want. Yeah. To someone who's going to take control by the end of the season. Obviously, the mother yeah. comes and basically says, look, this isn't fatherhood. You need to take responsibility here. And you mm-hmm. need to do the right thing. What did you make of uh, Sam and Justine's relationship in this season? Well, I think it kind of it all started kind of changing, like after the like the film festival, when Ruth kind of got into be more like you're you're a good director. See, you've got fans here, and yeah, Justine obviously up. brought all of her friends along to see him. And I think then he, that's when he was just like, right. I, I am a good director, so now it's time for me to improve in other parts of my life. Mm-hmm. So um, that's when I feel he started being a better father, mm-hmm. a better boss, yeah, a better a, everything. A better person. It was really a, a Scrooge McDuck moment uh, <laughs> with uh, Sam Sylvia here. Because Ruth was the person to just change him. Yeah. Uh, Cam, I'm going to ask you this quite an open question. I'm sorry to fire this at you. Pick your favourite Sam moment from season two. <sighs> Ooh. Uh. Any lines or anything like that, he says. I know um, mine personally is when it's like uh, they're storming into Katie's TV. It's like, should we not like arrange a meeting? It's like, no, that would defeat the purpose of storming. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. I think um, watching him smash the car up is really funny. Yeah. In a situation of just, could have been anyone. It's just when he gets out, like, because he doesn't hesitate, it's clear he knows what he's doing. He's just like, oh, it's there's such purpose yep. and those strikes to the windshield. It's so incredible. Aye, Sam really a warm to him as a character as the season progresses. I think Mark Marin uh, delivers a terrific, uh, terrific performance. Like they all do. Guys, just to wrap up part one, if you had to pick a winner, real life triple threat match between Zoya the Destroyer, um, Liberty Bell and director Sam Sylvia, who is winning that triple threat? Oh, Ooh. I'm going to say it's got to be Liberty Bell. Yeah. She's the one that's got the psychology to break them down. And the power of Christ. And the power of Christ. I mean, you can't. You can, you can. I don't think. People have tried to beat that for thousands of years. No. <laughs> I think Ruth could just break them down by just just wear them down. Emotional. Emotionally. Emotional. Just, please, please, let me do this, let me do this. And then just, they'll be like, okay, fine. Guys, any, anything else? I'm going to go with Sawyer. Sawyer. I'm going for Olga. Sawyer rolls out so Olga rolls in. Especially now she's had her like deformity <laughs> Royal family. Hey guys, this is Brandy Rhodes, and you are listening to Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. One, two, three! Oh, yeah. oh fuck. It's our film. Ladies, exciting stuff. Feels a little different around here. And we got a few men in the gym finally. Woo! Hubba hubba. Alright, don't distract them, they have work to do. I'm excited! Aren't you excited? My costume still smells like beer. 
and racism. Was I supposed to wash these? Did you have a good break? Yeah. Just getting divorced. It's complicated. Usually you do a lot better job of keeping your weird friendship stuff out of the ring. Just hope she can keep up. You're on that show, right? Glow, welfare queen. <laughs> What'd you call my mom? It's a wrestling show. I'm not the only offensive character. Everyone's offensive. We have fans. I mean, the girls get letters. There's weirdos waiting outside for me. Wait. You're my favorite. I can see that. We're gonna be canceled. I can't believe this. I think this might have something to do with me. That is how this business works. It shouldn't be that way. They gave a men's wrestling show our slot. So you just let them do whatever they want? What are we gonna do about it? I say we do whatever the hell we want to do. Set the weirdos free and see what happens. If you want to be respected, you gotta make yourself useful. I know what I'm worth, and I'm not apologizing to anyone. Everything is gonna be hard. I forgot to pick up my son at daycare today. I don't want to make this show that Who's ready to do this? Look, I know this is gonna be hard. But I believe in miracles, and we are going to make this miracle happen. We are the gorgeous ladies of wrestling. You wanna wrestle with mommy? So when you're older, you can talk about it with your therapist. This is the best, the beautiful, the only, Emily Hayden, and you're listening to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Hi guys, good to see you back. I uh, <laughs> hope you enjoyed the trailer for Glow Season 2. Uh, thank you very much to the producers of Glow for that. That was great. Uh, <laughs> As you can tell, we've had more slur. <laughs> Laced with vodka this time. No, I'm kidding. Stephen, <laughs> Stephen, no drinking was done in the studio today. I swear, <laughs> we would never do that. Listen, you know me. I'm a man of the people. You know, I mean, I like to think of myself as the new face of democracy. You know what I mean? Like, just like put it to the people. So what I've done today is I've given my panel a choice. All right, every single one of them has to pick a supporting character from Glow, and they are going to tell me why they are the best and I will be deciding a winner among the four of them. The losers will be um, killed. (laughs) (laughs) So Scott, in the X Factor, um, usually the person who performs first goes through, so I'm going to be nice to you. It's like, go first this week, all right. Tell me who is your pick and what is it that you like about this character? I've I've taken Bash. Mm. He's kind of the producer. He was originally the guy getting the funding behind it in the first season and part of the reason is really we reacts around the ideas country just like you look like any of us if we ever got in control of our own wrestling show we got to put our own show like this is what we want like like we he got so excited like, about helping with our characters in the first season like he's just he just seems like so really, like the way he and Sam try to work together because they're just so polar opposite like he's all optimistic about it and Sam is like like just so bitter at times like and he's like Oh, we were trying. We got the idea of you're auditioning for us, and if your match is good enough, you get on the show. 
and but I, but I went, we were talking about incentive. Well, I was I was gonna say a cash prize, but we can't afford that. <laughs> and then he's like, we can could we be safer with the wrestling? I can only afford two more people getting injured. Definitely. When he has to pay Ruth's medical bill. And that's one of the things, like a lot of people when it comes to like film and television and stuff, they always question like what does a producer actually do? But it does like widely differ. Like I mean no offense, Quack. I mean no offense. <laughs> I'm gonna come at you next. You are a, you are a producer yourself, you know. I, uh, I, I do you relate to Bash in this? Yeah, thing, in this yes, thing. especially when people criticise and stuff like that um, <laughs> um, as well as um, I'm not too precious but nah, I, just, I, I mean obviously what we did was quite a good good way thing yeah. especially because they, I, I believe they don't really have an ethic chest over there, do they? They definitely no. do not. And what you're referring to is they did pay for all of Ruth's expenses um, out of guilt for her getting injured. Um, I can say as a man who lived in America for four months, uh, getting run over or your leg broken was my biggest fear when I was there. <laughs> I didn't go outside most days because I just didn't want to get injured. I think if I broke my leg, I would have like, put it together back myself. Just like, I'm fine. <laughs> Absolutely sound. <laughs> to a pub with a safety helmet bubble wrap and see your jumper or something just but, yeah and that's the thing Stacey's got touched on it is really Bash's relationship uh, with Sam that defines him throughout the season yeah. uh, why is it you think that those two work so well together because they're total polar opposites mm-hmm. obviously Sam is the is like the down one always putting down on people and things and uh, Bash is the happy-go-lucky one and yeah, so they work well together. Opposites, but they work well together. Opposites attract, and obviously Bash is played by Chris Lowell. I've not really seen him in uh, much else, truth be told, but his main arc throughout this season really is looking for Florian, um, mm-hmm. who is his butler, um, his childhood friend, um, is what is openly stated. Um, however, we all know, reading between the lines, um, that they are partnered together as a couple and he goes looking for Florian and I think uh, Chris Lowell's acting in this season portraying Bash as a a closeted gay man is absolutely fantastic especially that scene where he goes into the gay club uh, for the first time Um, and it's something myself as openly bisexual I can say when you first enter that world like it's hard like to sort of adjust to seeing this stuff for like the first time but Kat do you think Bash portrays that moment like really really well? I think it's definitely an accurate portrayal of um, what it was like in the 80s especially um, when you can be as open about things like your sexuality I know it is hard to like get to terms with it um, by yourself um, never mind the the judgement of the public in, in 1980s America especially and I think yeah his acting is, is great in that um, particularly the scene where you kind of, he's sitting next to the pool and he kind of just breaks down and cries yeah. mm-hmm. um, we kind of we see this you know real side to him not just him being a kind of excited puppy who wants to make a show he's he's um He's got some deep feelings that he just doesn't really show anyone. We get the the impression, Kwaku, that that Florian was um, Bash's rock uh, for the show. So when he does find out, he asks what's the cause of it. Uh, And uh, the doctor replies, technically pneumonia, um, implying that he Mm. died of um, uh, HIV. Um, Mm -hmm. um, We've seen um, the AIDS crisis big at this time there's yeah. been a lot of yeah. uh, covering to it once again an example of Glow touching on these bigger themes that's important to for the historical accuracy of the times obviously again another bold moment of Glow mm-hmm. and it's still I'm going to say again it's still weird to have to say bold in 21st century but that's good 
it's good that they're hype light. Obviously, they've they've got their comedy aspect of what they're doing, which is fantastic. It's entertaining, and we love it. But I like how they're really touching on what was such taboo to talk about mm-hmm. in That's those funny. times, especially something that was so prevalent then, and it still is now. It's still, mm-hmm. still, there's still a huge stigma. I mean, you still need to have a special day or a special month just to raise awareness of it so it's, it just shows you we've still got a long way to go and we, obviously we see uh, the resolution to that particular storyline is um, Bash ends up marrying uh, Kate Nash's Britannica um, at the end of the season Stacey you seem to think uh, that Carmen Machu Picchu um, is in love I'm not so sure if she is in love with Bash or not like I'm, I don't There's know if I'm being something she feels something yeah them. and you see it when they're in the when they're in the gay club yeah. um, you can see it like the way that she looks at him mm-hmm. then you can even see it like at the wedding with the way that she's looking at them like looking on what I was getting from it was like she was like why can't that be me kind of thing and then um, mm-hmm. yeah because we slightly so disagree because I read it as that Carmen knows the truth about Bash and Florian's relationship. So the, for me, what I read the look as is like, what are you? <laughs> like, what, what are you doing right now? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so it's, it'll be interesting to see. Um, I think Bash will love him in season two. It'll be interesting to see where he goes in season three. Scott, I'd like to come back to you though, taking this back to wrestling a wee bit. Is Bash uh, better or worse a commentator than Michael Cole? Uh, I think he's he's better, I think, probably, for what he has to do. Considering he's doing it by himself, he's Joey Styles in it. He is the he's, Joey Styles of man, the Glow Universe, isn't he? He's a man wearing many hats, he's the producer, he's trying to find the money, he's the announcer, he has to play uh, the human version of uh, Britannica's mannequin. Yeah, Thomas, yeah, it's yeah. fantastic. Um, what's your favourite line of his commentary? Oh. I think I'm going to end up stealing one of Stacey's ones, and I'm sorry, but it's just too good. The What is a mother? Without a child, <laughs> it's the person. I'm getting away before Stacey hits me. Stacey, do you have that one? My favourite one. Oh. My favourite one, one was a good mannequin is hard to find. I can. The camera cuts to him goes, when she's talking about Thomas, and when he says Thomas, he just looks in the camera and winks like, yeah. you know, like, you know, it's, I'm the same guy doing this, and like, you just aren't stupid. <laughs> My favourite one was one of the um, the Toxic Twins all the other from the Battle Royal, and he was like, ozone is exercise, then nuclear option. You know, that's the thing with Carmen, like, you don't really know. Like hopefully they explore that more in season two. That's what because Bash said a bit interesting arc for season two, and hopefully we have a more interesting one in season three because there is you don't really sure what there is just because like they they teased it in season one because uh, Match Bijou has that panic attack before our first match, and Bash is the one to go out and help her through it. Definitely. So you know they are close, but the nature of how close they are is a mystery. And like I said, Bash is interesting because like he's been the guy behind trying to help everybody, but. Like he first encourages them to go hard and then he realises like when they get into it we need to that's not what we need to do and he's trying to find the money and he's looking for Florian and he ends up uh, having that chat with his mother's butler and I can't remember the name of the character but I just recognise the actor as Kevin yeah. Raymond Holt's husband from uh, yes. Brooklyn Nine-Nine So he was! So like, Demon in the good place as well yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've not seen that yet Need to get around to it. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I love about, existential. about Ted dancing. I just seen him like Kevin. Fight bash in for a plane stolen. <laughs> <laughs> Where's the cumberbund, Kevin? <laughs> Cheddar. 
We don't fight for compliments, we fight for crowns here as well. <laughs> now listen, like, I have to go to Kwaku next. I have to go to Kwaku because I'm really excited to talk about this character because Welfare Queen didn't have too much to do uh, in season one, Welfare Queen. Um, right, just right up to the end when she kind of stole the crown. <laughs> yeah, like she stole the crown, but that was like the first real sort of progression we got from Welfare Queen slash Tammy, um, played by Kaya Stevens otherwise known uh, to many of you listening this as the legendary um, knockout from TNA, Awesome Kong, um, multiple time women's champion wherever she's went in the world. Um, Kwaku, Welfare Queen's your pick. Yes. Take it away. Uh, fed on government cheese. I love that line. <laughs> I love that line. Um, so yeah, I mean... It was really episode four that we really got to see behind mm-hmm. the welfare queen, and we see how proud she is of like her son's going to Stanford, which is a big university. Mm-hmm. It's like the equivalent of going to Strathclyde University in Glasgow. Anyway, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had to. So yeah, she takes her son and it's then revealed that she hasn't actually told her son what she does, mm-hmm. which is quite a big secret to hold, especially as it's on TV yeah. and stuff. And what kind of comes to light is when she's dropping the son off eh, or meeting the son at the university and something comes up and it's recognising her and he's saying some of the slurs that they say to Welfare Queen and he's like, what do you say to my mother? Kind yeah. of and it kind of caught, catches him off guard and she, he agrees to go and see her back. Well, he does agree, he demands to go and see her in a match and she was kind of trying to shelter him from it because she didn't know how he was going to react. And then it was, she actually lost the match to Liberty Bell. Yeah. Which I was gutted about. Mm-hmm. Especially with what Liberty Bell was shouting at her yeah. after it as well. Getting so. job. Well, that's yeah, the, the poli- political nature of uh, the 1980s America and even the UK. Like You had uh, Reagan as the reign president over there. We had Thatcher, Thatcherism. Yeah. In Britain, like, it was very much like the enemy is uh, the spongers of the state mm-hmm. and uh, so like from a modern perspective we know obviously it's more complicated than that they try to portray it as a black and white issue um, on the show obviously yeah. but like Kat obviously like you wouldn't have known who Kaya Stevens was really before this show this is her first yeah. acting credit mm-hmm. um, ever like what impressed you most about her portrayal as Tammy the Welfare Queen? I think what really hit me was um, when she's standing in the ring and she's lost that match and she's just She's getting shouted at to get a job and she's got an entry level job and we know from her dinner with them with Debbie that she worked all these jobs for years and years to make enough money um, to support her son and she's also the same as Debbie, a mother who's just trying to do her best Um, and it was really heartbreaking to see her kind of look into his eyes. Um, I would never have known that she wasn't an actress before this, I think it was really impressive how she did that, Um, just how she portrayed that emotion and I think um, a lot of people could probably relate to that um, back then or even now that um, you know racist stereotypes as well just but you know they're still prevalent here but I, I think especially then that's re- I know wrestling is often built on stereotypes mm-hmm. um, oh, yes. but <laughs> that's something I've learned through Glow that's, a um, that's, a, that's an our conversation yeah. <laughs> for an hour day see like I don't know these things um, but yeah I think that it was it did tackle the because I've 
they're all stereotypes, but no one seems to really mind apart from um, Welfare Queen and Beirut. They're the only ones that seem to really have a problem with it because I think they're the only ones that experience the same judgment outside of their wrestling. Yeah, definitely. It's something yeah. that um, what I found really interesting it was a conversation that Cody said he had with Brandy before the launch of AEW. Um, and Cody said uh, to Brandy, I don't see colour. And Brandy said back to him, Well, you don't see uh, my struggle. Then and that made mm-hmm. him think about it. It's this not the same thing here with Welfare Queen, like Sam and the people who gave her that character might not think of the implications of it, but she's had to fight against all those things and society mm-hmm. yeah. and the stigma yeah. behind it. You know what I mean? So that's what's interesting to me. And it goes back to something we're talking about the mainstream media show, uh, the difference between a wrestler becoming a action star and becoming a great actress. And Kaya Stevens for mm-hmm. me is one hundred percent in that actress bracket, you know what I mean? Stacey, the relationship between Tammy and Debbie in this season, that one conversation you have at dinner, that really intrigued me. I thought it was a wonderful scene. What did you make of it? Oh, I thought it was lovely. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh. And then even at the, and then it just shows that how far it's went as well. Like we're sitting on the bus at the end and yeah. Debbie puts her hand back and she puts her hand on. I was like, oh. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to seeing how that friendship goes in it's, the next season. It's wonderful. So. Um, I honestly could sit here and sing our praises all day. Because I think it's extremely hard to make that transition as we've discussed in past shows. Scott, yeah. Um, what about you? How do you? What's your approach to Welfare Queen in this season? Obviously, she's yeah. at fault for them losing sponsorship as well. <laughs> like even the in-ring work uh, with yeah. her and Debbie, you can see that she has more wrestling training than the other actresses. Yeah, I mean it's hard. Like you, you never know when a wrestler transitions from wrestling to acting. You never know how it's going to work out. Especially, we didn't really know the acting her acting range because her role stereotypically with. Awesome Kong was she was built as a monster, so she didn't get the chance to talk a lot. Yeah. But then she just knocks it out of the park here, and we get this insight into who she is. And I remember Dr. Ollie, she showed up and I audibly shouted out, It's the welfare queen! Yeah. <laughs> I <laughs> wish. That's how I see her. I now, wish. Like, see, when she showed up at Dobber enough, I imagine she'd come out as the welfare queen. But that would be insane. <laughs> I remember thinking, like, we had. She was awesome Kong, we also have Asha Kong on the car and thing like I think you had to do a black junk chain, chola junk chain thing where lose the least town winner keeps the Kong name. Yeah, definitely. Someone has to something has to give. Um Cody's listening book that now. <laughs> <laughs> I just um honestly, like I say, I could see singer praises all day. I think she is wonderful in this season. But her son's a brat, though. <laughs> I was about to say, no, 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 no. Her son, no, no, her son no, no, no. is Mad Dog from Riverdale, so you bite your tongue, Quacky, son, all right. Her, her, I think her best line, though, like, is when she tries to justify her character to her son, like, I'm not the only offensive character, they're all offensive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is this Mr. and Mrs. Sanford? Yeah, that's exactly who it is. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like how she's so proud that he's got a Martin Luther King sponsorship. Yeah. <laughs> Cap. I'm going to give you the floor here. All right, who's your pick? Who are you going to defend? Um, I would probably say New Junk Chain. New Junk She is jumped on by all the other girls. You know that line, who did you sleep with to get here? And she's like, oh no, I was a stripper. And they you, they still have, despite her, she points out, she says, um, you're basically just doing PG girl on girl um, to the other wrestlers who are looking down on her for being a stripper. And then uh, she makes that good point of, well, what's this then? You know, this yeah. there is a lot of sex appeal in this women's wrestling. That's half the point of it, almost, um, of it being a TV show. Um, I think that she's a great character because she, she stands her ground. She doesn't care what anyone says. She will just, she'll say what she wants. And um, she is also Beirut's Gay Awakening. Yeah. Big fan of that. Um, 
yeah, as a queer woman myself as well, it was nice to see that represented, especially with such a big female ensemble cast. It feels like it would be kind of silly not to have some sort of um, discussion about women who love women. Um, and the dance scene with her and Beirut especially was just, I mean, yeah. loved it. We're going to get back the, to that episode yeah. specifically because I want to talk about the whole the whole thing. experience of episode 8 <laughs> later on <laughs> I don't want to miss out on that but I do agree with you I think uh, Yolanda um, is wonderful for the entire season yep. the only cr- not criticism I have of that storyline I would have liked to see just a wee bit more of it because it seemed like we yep. got the dream yep. sequence we didn't really know because we never saw it filmed we didn't know that that was going to have implications mm-hmm. further on and it was the next episode uh, where we obviously see um, Ari Beirut um, in the strip club opposite uh, yeah, Yolanda as funny. well which is really quacky. that's a really funny moment when Sam shows up and she just sees them across like you gotta be kidding me <laughs> <laughs> oh Oh my god, I love, I love it all, I love it all. That's another bit about that I loved is the teaching of the dance. Yeah. Oh the yeah, dance. Yes. yes. I love that. It's wonderful. And how stiff Zoya was. Yeah. <laughs> and just that warm was a thing of beauty. Who is it that comes <laughs> in the room when they're doing the break dance? He's like, oh, you're doing a white girl can't break dance. Is it Bray Root who yeah. comes in? He's like, oh, you're doing a white girl can't break dance bit? And oh, we're doing a white girl can break dance. And that's exactly how the white girl was talking. <laughs> <laughs> such a, it's such a quality tune as well, Run DMC. It's like that. Yeah. Because I listen to the, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going a bit off, but I love it. You listen to the new version, the uh, Jason Evans version. Yeah. And you forget how good the original was. Mm-hmm. That's just like, it's that's absolutely fun. Yeah, Yolanda has a really interesting perspective compared to the rest of the girls. She wasn't an actress, but she can dance Mm. and she can command a stage. Mm. um, And it's interesting to see how kind of they all end up in that job. Most of them being um, want to be actresses. Her being discovered um, by Sam through a lap dance. Definitely. (laughs) So. Yeah. And it's hard, obviously, Stacey, we see the Yolanda come becomes important to the plot later on. It's her former boss um, yes. who gives them the. Th- and I love mm. that line at the end. And it's like Debbie's like, then the guy starts speaking. It's like, sorry, who is this? And Sam's like, I can't remember his name. He's like, his daughter goes to school with my daughter. And she's like, yeah, I used to work with him. He's an okay guy. And he's like, oh, sure, sure. <laughs> it's absolutely wonderful. Uh, are you a big fan of Yolanda? I am. Mm-hmm. I am. Like Quacky said, the. Um, her teaching uh, Ruth the dance that was one of the funniest things yeah. I've, I've seen it's absolutely hilarious <laughs> especially in the ring and Zoya's just going <laughs> what is this dance yeah, I, I know you can't see me doing the dance moves but <laughs> it's one of those things that shows like because all saying she doesn't have wrestling training and she can't be on mm. TV yet but like, your strengths Quacky you've said it before there's need for novelty acts in wrestling. Look at the new 24-7 title we've got yep. on our yep. And it's become one of the favourite parts of Raw every week. You yep. know what I mean? It's become absolutely <laughs> fantastic. So I like that. I like that they're yeah. acknowledging there's more to wrestling than just the pure technical wrestling. Yeah. You know what I mean? You need to break it up with those those things. Oh, it's definitely. Got, you, you alluded to it, obviously. Uh, uh, Cherry Bang, yeah. uh, her husband Keith Bang, come back into the fold um, after her show fails. Um, we have the matches. Uh, Junk yeah. Chain versus Junk Chain for the right to the name. Do you Can think the only one? Yeah. Do you think the booking was right? As a wrestling fan, would you have booked that match any differently? Who would you have preferred to win? No, uh, I think it was the right person yeah. got the name because she clearly embraces it more. 
before. Terry uh-huh. clearly never <laughs> wanted to make that gimmick work. Yeah, and I think uh, Yolanda, she's the up-and-coming talent. You've got to mm-hmm. get behind her, Cherry. She'll have her time in the sun again, but she needed a bit of reinvention. She's got the new... I want to talk about Cherry Bang just for a wee second while we're on her. <laughs> I love Black Magic as a character. I think it's absolutely phenomenally mm-hmm. funny, uh, especially with the wee skit she was doing with Bricketh Britannica. That was so funny. <laughs> oh, they're absolutely brilliant. But I do like um, her arc because we don't see her for the first two episodes of the season and the first time I watched it I thought is she even going to come back here is she like just done for the season they couldn't get her back and then we have that third episode uh, where she's on the set of the show and she just can't make it work like yeah. it's one of those ones like I think we can all relate to the fear of being in a new job and not yeah. being able to get it right <laughs> in the first day and she's like oh my god um, but she also has that moment Kwaku where they um, they straighten her hair um, without her permission or without her um like wanting to do it uh, once again it shows the power dynamics and how they've been misused historically mm-hmm. on sets what did you make of Sherry's storyline um, with the failure of her TV career outside oh, of world see on that hair <laughs> I don't know why but I just laugh so much it's like it's along the lines of we got a bit of an emergency here yeah. <laughs> I did open the, the caravan or what I don't know what you call it and the trailer. trailer trailer that's a trailer and it's like nothing wrong it's just that straight there's nothing actually wrong but yeah. I'm well not um, that is just a, another example of a great character building really and, mm-hmm. and that's the thing about this about Glow I just love it's just it encapsulates everything that I love in wrestling and just magnifies it tenfold. Definitely, and obviously everyone's, there's so many characters we could talk about. The one person on the panel who I don't know who they're going to bring up here is of course Stacey Smith, the last person to bring up <laughs> their panel pick. Now Stacey, who have you decided to go for? I have chosen to talk about Justine. Nice. So Justine, I think, she went on quite a big journey through this season. Um, obviously she was a rebellious teen at the beginning and then she was one it seems though she was kind of wanting approval from her father in the middle and then she was wanting to break free because she was madly in love with Billy at the end until uh, when her mum tried to make her go back um, and then when Sam spoke to her just like don't follow a guy, don't listen to your mum, don't listen to me, just be your own person and yeah. things like that and you could kind of see it, like you kind of see it changing in her head and um, although she went back with her mum, she'll be back in season three. I, I hope. hope. I hope she's I hope. back in season three, she's yeah. a really entertaining character even mm-hmm. though she doesn't have the most to do, like especially because she's not part of the Glow Girls uh, this season, yeah. she would kind of relegated to more recurrent status but I did like Justine she was Zoya's nurse though yeah. for Olga's foot operation that is also so. true and she was uh, the girl uh, the, the, team, the next door neighbour I, I am team next uh, she, team pregnancy she was next door neighbour to Britannica yeah. she was wearing many hats in this season yeah, she was. and of course she got to direct the show uh, one of the go shows as well and she got into a big fight yeah. at her uh, oh, yeah. boyfriend's no concert wonder, no wonder it's bad concert etiquette to just stand right in front of someone like it especially at the merch stand she's trying well. to do her job you know what I mean helping Billy out probably not getting paid for it you know after I mean? she made the t-shirts as well exactly it's horrendous I'm going to ask um, both of you like how did you think when the mother eventually does show up how was the mother daughter rebellious teen relationship portrayed here do you think it was accurate do you think it was a bit too corny sort of stereotypy or how did you think it was portrayed well I think it was um, Justine had come to the point 
her mum had remarried, uh, they had the young kids and she kind of felt as though she didn't have a place in the family anymore so she was just like well if I don't have a place in your family then I'll go and stay with my father who will have time for me mm-hmm. so that's the way that I looked at it she just no. she just didn't have her mum's attention anymore yeah, Kat what did you think of the relationship she, with Justine and mum? Justine has a lot of teen angst and I think a lot of mm-hmm. people can relate to that um, she doesn't know what she's doing really and you know she, there's she's just realizing that there's this whole world out there of you know show business and her father and um, you know she can travel across the country um, I think I mean we've well maybe I don't know I've had arguments with my mom like that but maybe not quite as <laughs> not about the same things yeah uh, but that kind of just like oh but I'm right just let me do this yeah. I know what I'm doing I'm 16 mom <laughs> so it's very like um, I think a lot of like uh, girls can relate to that um, relationship uh, and uh, yeah especially without her getting that attention that she used to get and um, she's just pissed off at her mom really mm-hmm. she's pissed off and she thinks you know she needs to do something with it um, and that's what she does with it. She argues with her mum and she acts in glow. I have to say, uh, Scott, do you think that um, Justine running off with Billy to New York is a TV show you would have wanted to see? <laughs> um, obviously, where do you stand to Justine? Do you want to see her back in season three? And what, what's yeah. the status of Billy at this point? Is he still doing the pizza rounds? Will he never see him again? <laughs> I, I don't really care about Billy. <laughs> I do like when they, she asks the other pizza, Sam goes, yeah, she goes for the phone, goes, not from Billy. <laughs> but yeah, I just want to mention when we Thought about Sam, like it was kind of surprising he was the voice the reason when Ruth mentioned the guy mm-hmm. coming on here, and then he had another similar moment to that where he thought just you know, like don't it doesn't matter what I think or what your mum thinks or what everybody else thinks. What do you want to do? And just casually goes, I'm gonna go tell Bill I can't go. And then casually goes, and I'm gonna go smoke pot in the parking lot. Yeah, and one of the most telling things for me, Quacko, about the relationship. And how much love uh, Justine has for her father Sam is when we do get to the film festival of the, the band horror movies. And what was the name of the festival? Can anyone remember? It was, uh, oh, I, oh, I'm, I'm with, with the band. I'm with the band. Band spelled B A W N E D. It was great. I loved that poster. Um, and we find out she obviously sleeps in, unfortunately, for the event, but we find out she's wrangled some people to go and support Sam. She's got all our AV club to go, she's the one that got Ruth to go. Whereas it's beautiful to see that sort of father-daughter relationship on the show, isn't it? Yeah, it is indeed, it is indeed. Oh, close amazing, isn't it? As we're talking here, and I'm just like, there's so much in this show. And do you know what else about it? Um, I'll announce a winner in a wee second, don't you worry, people. You're on the edge of your seat right now. Are we on Uh, deck walking? (laughs) But I do like Glow because of how it's in half an hour format. I love that about it because it's so much more digestible. And a lot of people, and this is what... I think WWE, like especially, could take this um, as an example. Got half an hour episodes, ten episodes each, and it doesn't feel as though there's anything empty in any of them. No everything way. has a purpose, and the story is told yeah. in such a tight and satisfying way that they even have time for a very silly episode that we're going to talk about in a wee second. That was absolutely phenomenal, guys. I have to announce Quacky Raji is the winner uh, of that segment. There, I just can't see past uh, Awesome Kong, Tammy. Absolutely phenomenal character, and I hope to see more from her, especially because it's her first acting performance. I have to give it to her. Um, I have to say, other shouts for me personally Melrose always provides the entertainment. Yes. Um, what did we think? Who is in the right here? A vote from the panel. 
is Melrose right to claim the jacket because she didn't get to sleep with the guy or is it Jenny's jacket for the deed that Jenny committed to get it? She lost it fair and square. It's yeah. Jenny's jacket. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Was I help you, you give me the jacket, she held her, she gets the jacket. Yeah, exactly. I don't know, it's the thing is, Quacker, you know, Melrose, she's a woman, she loves drugs and robots, she loves giving out <laughs> drugs in hospitals, you know what I mean? Absolutely phenomenal. Drugs and robots go hand in hand apparently. And by far the best singer. Um, of the yes. team. And on an ensemble that features Kate Nash, uh, Melrose manages to stand head and shoulders above the rest. Uh, Melrose is sex, drugs, and rock and roll. She That's really, really is. She is. I think she'll shine in Vegas. Oh, yeah. I've got a prediction that uh-huh. Melrose is going to leave. That's my prediction for season three. You can roll back the tape quacky when this eventually happens. What I love about that whole charity single thing they were singing is if I'm just singing against kidnapping of people, and yet the kidnapper is a monster. That's what I was thinking as well. Right, we're just going to get into it. Episode yeah. 8, and we're going to start with the charity set because this is honestly. I watched this the first time, and I was binging Go. So, the first time I watched this episode was like 2 in the morning, and I was already drifting to sleep. And I remember thinking to myself, like, this can't be real. Like, I, yeah. I've had some sort of hallucination. This what? is a yeah. sleep, sleep cop. Sleep, I've had some, too much slur. <laughs> I've been uh, I've become obsessed with the ESSR title too much (laughs) starting to have delusions I just had to turn it off the first time I was like I can't deal with this at this time in the morning it was like some sort of weird fever dream like honestly it is genius it's just amazing favourite segment of that episode though Carmen uh, is sitting by the pool with the rest of the baby faces and they sit up like what can we do to help Liberty Bell and she's like I know (laughs) Singing. It's absolutely fantastic. Zoya's singing I well for maybe she would be Olga for that. That would make more sense. Yeah, that would have made a lot more sense. Uh, but it was just funny how <laughs> Sam and Bash then come in dressed as the kidnappers, but the best part of that entire video, right, is <laughs> 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 he's lost it. It's the Sheila the She Wolf. <laughs> she's standing on the piano and she has her glasses on. And she's just ad libbing like, oh, kidnapped. <laughs> I like when she th- she throws in a line. They say um, go and do something else, and she's like, like go for a run. And she just throws that in. She's like, yeah, don't kidnap. Just go for a run instead. That is the obvious choice. Honestly, like if that was released as a charity single, I would buy it. <laughs> that would be my ringtone right now. <laughs> Honestly, one of the funniest things I have ever witnessed in my entire life. Like, guys, I'll just open this up to the panel. Is episode eight one of the most bold and daring episodes of television we've seen in years? Just to t- take the format of this drama series and completely just say, to hell with it. Mm-hmm. Like, let's just do this like for an episode. What did you guys think? I mean, I'm not always a fan of um, the kind of novelty episodes of TV shows, uh, but that made sense to me. Um, and, you know, it was, I kind of wanted to like skip through the adverts. And, you know what I mean? Like, and then I'm like, wait, this is part of it. This is the whole, yeah. uh, the whole point uh, is like as if you were watching Glow, but just. Not in an easy is that what it was when the adverts was? I forgot the adverts! Life may be hard, but quilting be easy. Quilting be easy! Personal fan of it. It's that episode where Sheila and the and the goat. And the goat, yeah. And the goat is. I mean, that is how they tackle this, the sexual harassment in a funny way, where the goat keeps touching her and she eats it. Oh. You know, um, oh, she's a wolf. 
So how did Fila end up going to see cats with the goat? I mean, the goat was supposed to go by itself. The goat got a date. Wait, wait a minute. Do you know what? She's dawned to me that that's the same goat that Olga brought. Yeah. <laughs> that's the point. That's insane. I, I don't know why that never clicks up until this moment. Maybe it will the Wolf Love Broadway team from the left. Oh, that's absolutely insane. It's a well-known fan. Maybe Ramza covered it, I know. Oh, Quilton Beasy, by the way. Life may be hard, but Quilton Beasy. Oh, so get a TV show about that. That's a spin-off. Oh, my God. Scott, what did you think about the lack of wrestling on this uh, wrestling TV show? Well, that was what it was like in the 90s. About 20 minutes. 20 minutes of, I don't know, but like, in the peak, like, in the agenda, like, we'll be covering next year, like, there'll be like 10 minutes of wrestling on a two hour show. This is what yeah. it was like. I, like See, I had no idea about this. As you know, you know that I don't know anything yeah. about wrestling. Uh, I didn't know that there was a whole backstory situation. Oh, yeah. I kind of thought it was just a fight or a few fights. You'd and, uh, love the Kane and Undertaker stuff in the oh, movies, by the way. I, I figured it was really just, um, you know, they try and make it seem like. Real people just like a like in the way no, of like a. No. Um, oh, I'll say the criticism of it now that I have is it's more like that. Right. Uh, okay. WWE seems well, that's to be what I've seen like then. Athletes I've seen... and stuff like that. Um, but back in like the nineties, like the peak era, like with the Rock and Steve Austin and stuff like that, it very much was these crazy storylines. Like there was this Ministry of Darkness at one point who kidnapped a daughter but burned a teddy right. bear, and it was like it was because that was something that yeah. surprised me they, and what I learned from. They Google. want you to feel like you if you were not right you would be beaten yeah. on that person so why not watch a TV and feel happy that that person's beaten down and that's a big part of wrestling yeah it adds to the and the characters and everything yeah. it definitely adds to because otherwise you're just watching two people fight for no reason exactly yeah. you that's, need to be invested yeah. in it and I think that's like where what a lot of us wrestling fans feel is missing sometimes it's just yeah. like um, okay so it's for the title nothing else smashing alright alright that's fine Stacey tell us about Olga oh she is just fantastic just fantastic. Um, I think it's so funny, like, at the beginning, Olga is there with someone that looks a lot like, like, maybe Russell's no. evil twin. No. Maybe. Can't be. Um, Russell? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Your sarcasm was hard to detect, David. <laughs> um, and then just saying, am I made for rubles? <laughs> like for the she can't go on a boat so she goes on a goat yeah. and then she's eating a hamburger travels by montage it's wonderful <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and giving giving the goat the lettuce yeah. and oh it's just fantastic yeah. and then she goes to see Liberty Bell and just opens up the shower <laughs> and they're just staring at each other just both start screaming it was oh. so funny uh, and uh, Scott I have to say Liberty Bell in this episode is absolutely yeah. fantastic first of all uh, the workout filmed in yeah. uh, Debbie's house <laughs> where they're all crying oh, they're so is it griefer size? yeah griefer size they're all yelling at things they made them sad oh <laughs> fantastic but also we then get um, like the jungle and see every time she says Savannah Rose like every time she says just the funniest <laughs> name on the planet. I don't know why. What did you make of uh, uh, um, Liberty Bell's quest to reclaim her daughter? It's seemingly a really B low budget version of Indiana Jones, essentially. <laughs> her quest, the, the, 
and then she comes face to face once again with Vicky Viking who was meant to be Liberty Bell yes <laughs> yes it was the, the battle for the ages Vicky Col- Viking the final boss the culmination the story that's been building since last season I have to say this is what dreams are made of Scott really yes. it's like what <laughs> happens but I'll, my favourite part of that is uh, when Beirut and uh, Fortune Cookie they have to go to the toilet <laughs> and then they come back and it's just a, a trail of glitter sparkles that lets them know that Liberty Bell has, has made her way into the secret oh. base it's absolutely phenomenal but I loved as well when they're just like Savannah Rose is in a safe yeah and the code is one 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 two (laughs) (laughs) and then they go in she's in a locker (laughs) and Liberty Bell almost forgets the combination yeah she's saying it she can't figure out how many ones <laughs> oh fuck I even I have to say before Stephen Wilson listens to this and moves me angrily um, in the next couple of days we have to talk about uh, the transformation uh, rest in peace uh, to the beatdown buddies uh, they had a good run but two of my, acid on their faces uh, two of my favourite characters in the show but I have to say the toxic twins as far as gimmick replacements go not too shabby they did no. quite well I always find those two really entertaining when yeah. they show up like, they're just like they're always in it they're just like yeah <laughs> I was doing an electric guitar for the, the benefits of those at home. Listen, a couple uh, final questions before we wrap this up here today. Um, I wanted to turn to Kat specifically because we've talked about the last podcast um, how Glow had the potential as a wrestling show to convert new fans to wrestling and get them more interested in wrestling. Now, we have someone here today and Kat who's openly said she is a Glow fan however she is not a wrestling fan she knows little about wrestling so I'm going to ask the question to you Kat quite simply has it made you more inclined to go and check out some stuff about professional wrestling? It has it has it's um, it's made me kind of intrigued especially to see more of this kind of crazy uh, 80s big hair and spandex you know wrestling um, and I kind of now want to see how, how wrestling, specifically women's wrestling, has changed and what it is now. Because I don't know what it is now, really. Um, I see the occasional social media kind of, um, you know, what we're saying about the backstories of the characters. The, you know, the kind of um, trash talking each other in social media. I've seen that a couple of times, but um, again, I didn't really know the context for any of this. Um, but I mean, I, I know that I will be watching every single episode of Glow yeah. that they make. Um, I'm invested in the, the characters and their wrestling personas. We've got the promotion for you. Yeah. Fierce females. Oh. Yes. That's Glasgow. In Glasgow itself, we're going to get you down there. Get cat training. Get in there. I could be a wrestler. I'll go with mine first. Go for it. Alright, just to give you a wee bit of time. I am going to say that Melrose leaves Glow and joins another Las Vegas show for a bit. Because she feels underappreciated. That's my prediction. Ooh. Fuck you. I think we see... This is going to be controversial. Mm-hmm. I think we see the demise of Liberty Bell as the character. <sighs> She's going to have a transformation. She's going to go Hulk Hogan, uh, black and white Hollywood style, yeah? She's going to become, like, the general manager. Wow. Like, the evil general manager. She's going to become a bad guy. Bad guy Liberty Bell. Liberty, um... 
No, we're beginning for B. You can't say an air, Scott. <laughs> Scott McLeod. I've <laughs> <laughs> uh, got so many things I could say, but I'm going to say I'm hoping for more of a. They delve more into the relationship between uh, Beirut and Junk Chain. Mm-hmm. Because, like you said, it was a bit forced, but I'm hoping they explore more. Because you see them together on the bus, they look so happy, and hopefully, because uh, Beirut especially has not had that much of a story arc. Mm-hmm. Throughout both seasons, so hopefully we get more background in her character because we've seen in season two characters like Liberty, uh, sorry, Welfare Queen got more time than they got. So hopefully, as this goes on, she gets more time and we explore that relationship because we don't know what Bash's sexuality is. But let's see to see these characters so open about theirs would be yeah. so nice to see. And it'd be nice, and also there's the hint that. Beirut could get that development because like yeah. it's like the writers acknowledge that with the conversation he has with Sam yeah. and just tell oh I dropped out of uh, the doctorate and yeah. like, oh, I had no idea I don't pay attention to you <laughs> Stacey uh, what about yourself a prediction for season 3 of Glow has to be Carmen and Bash mm-hmm. has to be yeah yeah and it's not going to happen that I don't... <laughs> but I'd rather it be with Carmen than with Rhonda He'll end up with um And then Rhonda's already got her green card, she doesn't need him anymore. That's true. That is true. I don't know how the legality of that works. If uh, any lawyers out there, please uh, feel free to email us in uh, to the SSR team and let us know. Uh, like, what is the legality behind that? Or if not that, then I would like to see Liberty Bell, so Debbie's and mm-hmm. Welfare Queen's friendship. Develop. Develop. I like that. Yeah. I like that one personally, Kat. I think, as just as a small prediction, I think we'll probably see Sheila without all the makeup and the costume because we did get a brief glimpse of that, but that might have been season one. Um, we see that really briefly. But um, also as a prediction slash just kind of general hope, the same um, uh, with Beirut and, and Junk Chain, I think. I mean, in quite a lot of um, shows and, and movies, the lesbian arc is, ends up miserable. Um, the ending is always bad with a lot of queer characters. But I would just like to see them be happy and just prosper together and uh, get Beirut to, you know, kind of figure out how she feels and her sexuality because, you know, Junk Jane's pretty secure in hers. Listen, I think what we can gather from this conversation today, Glow is an absolutely entertaining show to watch but it's a show that also isn't afraid to tackle the bigger issues as well and that first um, entertainment product out there about wrestling um, in terms of a drama because it takes wrestling as the centrepiece but it explores other themes and interesting characters around that which for me as a wrestling fan it's a product that I'm actually proud to say I really really enjoy Mm -hmm. Um, and thank you all for uh, being here today my fabulous panel um, of Scott McLeod, Stacey Smith, Kat Mulholland and the producer of of the show producers do very important things I wasn't talking to Quack <laughs> earlier I was not saying that alright I'll stop not forgiving you <laughs> <laughs> guys next time that you listen to us it will be epic the Attitude Era quiz with the ESSR title on the line. I know one man very excited for it oh, is Scott yes. McLeod. He's been, um, he's had a tough time with that, David Hockney, the last two quizzes. And he's not here anymore. He's not here this time. Scott, your path is clear and you know what? We've had our history. I wish you all the best. Let's not pretend week. that David will be on a satellite phone from America. <laughs> 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 I will hold the 
title off, and as, we, as Owen Hart would say, look, we talked about Owen Hart last week, I'll start and say, I did it all by myself, and I have nobody thinks. I have to say, David Hockney's probably uh, studied for a year for this, because I would be surprised he flew back for it. <laughs> <laughs> or we walk in the studio, there's some hologram uh, light yeah. on David Hockney. Welcome. <laughs> this is now not a quiz, but you are now all my servants as the all-time reigning champion. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for listening. Enjoy the Attitude Era quiz next week. I've been David Campbell and I say to you, um, goodbye. Listen, cunts, I don't care what the fuck you think you're doing. Whatever you think is more important with your life, you honking bag of dick tips. You know what you should be doing? You should be going online, you should be subscribing, you should be listening to the back catalogue of Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet, whatever the fuck you're doing, that's what you should be doing. I don't care if it's your mum's birthday, I don't care if she's feeling contractions. Get on it right now!